Talk TV. A TV podcast I do here on the Reed's Ranch channel. Subscribe, like below, give me a rating if you like it. If you don't like it, just keep subscribing, uh, but don't leave a comment. So last night we got the first two episodes of season three. Today's episode is just about episode one. Just about episode one. We'll do episode two tomorrow. Episode one, the first thing that jumps out to you is the return to the to the core, to the heart of True Detective, which is a rural setting. We're in rural Arkansas. Southern, creepy, perfect. Much better than the California setting of season two. Second thing that jumps out to me is we have returned to the the timeline travel. Big fan of the timeline travel. Tonight you see that there are three different three different time periods in season three. And we are introduced to Wayne Hayes in 1990, where he is getting questioned about his knowledge of this personal kids case, where these two kids ended up missing. There has been a, I guess, a movement to have the case reopened because the wrong man was punished for the crime, or at least that's what the two investigating officers believe. So they want to talk to Wayne Hayes and kind of uh, touch base with him and try to walk through the case. And here we learn that Wayne Hayes has memory issues. Even in 1990, 10 years after the original disappearance of these kids. The third timeline is 2015, where Wayne Hayes is having to leave recordings for himself to remind him of what he's doing and his task at hand and where he hides his gun. So from the jump, we see that this man, Mahershala Ali, Wayne Hayes is the character's name, we see that he is our narrator, and he might not be the most reliable one, right? Like, everything we're going to learn in this show through his perspective may end up being wrong. Like, the, the details might be fuzzy because they've already laid clear, and they've made it clear that he struggles with memory. I don't know if it's Alzheimer's, dementia, something like that, but you know, his memory is is fading. So, like I said, we have three timelines, 1980 where the original disappearance happens, 1990 and 2015, where he is now being investigated, or not investigated, excuse me, where he's being interviewed by True Criminal, a documentary built around the cases. So in 1980, the first thing we see is the, the, the kids getting ready to go ride their bike. Their dad is home fixing the car as... As they go out to ride their bikes, he's telling them, be home by 530. It's right after school. They're going on a bike ride. On their bike or on their bike ride, we see a neighbor putting up Halloween decorations or doing something, I guess, with Halloween decorations, even though we we have been told it's November 7th, right? Because it's the day that, that Steve McQueen does, which is weird that they are referencing that so many times. But here we are. And on this kid's bike path, they come across a couple of creepy characters. There's the three creepy teenage kids riding around in their purple 
Volkswagen. There's the Indian man on a lawnmower pulling a buggy. So we're introduced to a couple of shady characters. And we're also introduced to the idea that the mom hasn't really been home too much as the kids ask the dad, hey, when when will mom be home? Do you know if mom's coming home? To which he says, I don't know. So that is the jumping off point of episode one. And then they want to kind of introduce us to these two cops. We have Wayne Hayes, as I said, and Roland West. And they're sitting around... They're sitting around a scrapyard shooting rats, talking about life, talking about love. And here's really the first interaction we see between the two talking about hookers. We should do something. We go to Miss Minnie's. Give me a break. I can't pay for it, man. It's more honest than most relationships. You never bought no Saigon trim while he's over there? Yes, I'm a romantic. I'm a feminist. They want to sell me a piece of ass, they got the right. Shit. You're going to pay for it one way or another. You see yourself getting married, Purple? No, sir. I'm not a big enough asshole to put a woman and children through that. couple things here. First, you see the... First, you get the idea of, of, of Wayne being in Vietnam, right? When he asked if he ever paid for it in Saigon. Second of all, you get a it's kind of a forced cheesy interaction here where they're able to talk about their thoughts on love where Wayne says, "No, I'm a romantic. I'm not I'm not paying for women." Where you get the the more, I guess, rational, pessimistic Roland who says you pay for it one way or the other. So there's our first interaction and kind of our introduction at least to to Roland and then there is a scene that you know immediately follows it where he's about to shoot a baby fox, which maybe is the cutest baby fox of all time, and then leads to the discussion about whether or not you should shoot that animal. Talks about, you know, the farmers I used to know would pay you to do it, and, and Wayne says, well, I'll pay you not to do it. But that means th- th- then they get tired of their their drinking and sitting around, and they say, "Let's go do something. Let's go ride around." Because yeah, what's better to do as cops than get drunk and drive around? Which then leads to a a line which I don't know if this is how cops think or how cops used to think, but it does tie back into the the season one theme that we've talked about, and where where cops pretty much have impunity to do whatever they want. They both exchange that they hope they can find someone they can go beat the hell out of or maybe maybe it was beat the shit out of excuse me and even Wayne agrees like yeah let's uh that, that that'd be nice let's go right around listen to some music all right maybe we can find somebody to beat the shit out of boy that'd be nice so here here we have a couple of familiar themes cops can do whatever they want Cops don't mind and even somewhat prefer or like violence. We then get a car ride scene, which was, you know, obviously one of the the big strengths of season one. Here in season three, they go right to it in episode one, where we discuss the ideas of hunting and the rules surrounding hunting. And we learn a little bit more about Wayne and his talents. I don't want to eat no boar meat, man. Tracked it for two days. 
Had to make my own muzzle loader for the season. Why'd you kill a boar, but not a fox? Well, you eat the boar. I only had the one shot at him. If I missed, that was my ass. Guess I like a more level playing field. Except with rats. You know how many times rats almost ended civilization? How many? I don't know. These two. I hate rats. What about deer? You hunt deer? Only with a bow. Never understand and never would be. Trying hard not to judge this, you know, basically comparing it to season one. Trying hard, hard not to do that. Trying to take season three as a standalone season, as it's intended. But I can't ignore the the familiar tropes that they're going with, the themes they're going with. And if you think back to, to Russ Cole and his views on hunting, here Wayne Hayes has a lot of the similar ones. You know, he's only killed. It's a fair fight with the boar because a boar can harm you. Whereas the baby fox they had just spared couldn't do anything to you. A, a boar, if you miss him, he's going to get you down. He's going to hurt you. It's a fair fight. When it comes to hunting, you know, when it comes to hunting deer, no bait, no traps, no tree stand, just simply a bow. You have to be able to get close enough to the deer to get a good shot off. No trickery. So you see some of the, the same characteristics. You see some of the same characteristics, and you learn that he is a tracker. He is a tracker and can do that and believes in the, the fairness of the hunt and basically having to work for it. Now, a little bit of a work ethic idea when it comes to, to tracking, down, tracking down prey. So we get another shot of the teenagers, the creepy teenagers, partying in the woods. Uh, the creepy guy that had the Volkswagen is doing tricks on a new bike that he looks like he has found that maybe belongs to the boy, uh, the, the, the personal boy that we saw drive off. We saw him riding bikes. This seems to be maybe his. Maybe his. We then do a time travel back to 2015 where they're trying to, to interview him for that show, True Criminal. We learn that his wife wrote a awesome book based on these cases, both in 1990 and in, in 1980 when it originally happened. So we realized that, that Wayne has lived this case and, quite frankly, had his family benefit from this case to an extent. We go back to 1980 where they're trying to uh, deal with a grieving father, right? A grieving, grieving father who has lost his kids, and they're trying to get in the house to find some clues. It then takes them into the kids' house, the kids' rooms, where in the boys' room you find a couple Playboy magazines under the bed, some type of, maybe it was a sand on the wall, and a peephole, a peeping Tom hole, to look in his sister's room, which gives you a really queasy feeling when watching as they're inside, kind of going through the house, the, the mom, that we didn't know if she was coming back, uh, comes home. Comes home and goes crazy. A fight breaks out. And a couple things here. This is Meryl Streep's daughter, actually. I found that surprising. And maybe connected me a little bit more to, 
to her role in this show. But yeah, this uh, this lead actress or this actress, I guess, who is playing the mom is Meryl Streep's daughter, and you kind of learn a little bit about what these kids, what their home life is like. I'm Wayne Hayes. This is Roland West. State police detectives. We put an APB on your kids. We got men coming to search now. Can you think of anywhere they might have gone? Friends or relations? No. We don't have any relations. Relatives close or nearby. I don't... I don't understand what what happened. You dumbass! You piece hey, of hey, shit! You, 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 you stupid you piece of shit! Hey. You been drinking tonight, Mrs. Purcell? What? So? It's not against the law. I'm entitled to a life. Of course you are. But you two getting mad isn't helping anything right now. So if you thought that it's possible that these kids ran away, here you would have a little bit of fuel to to why they would do it. The home life is obviously terrible. The mother goes out, drinks, parties. The dad and mom have a terrible relationship. There's a little neglection here. You would have a little bit of fuel for that fire. The kids leave the house asking if mom's coming back. If you thought that maybe they would run away, okay, here's kind of showing that this home life is very unstable and the audience knows better. The audience knows that these kids didn't run away, but the cops still kind of think that that could be, that could be uh, what's happened here. The parents, man, they just, they go at it. it. It's one of the more fascinating things from from and, and relatable things to this first episode of just a a broken home where the mom wants out, the dad's kind of just lingering around, miserable, and you later learn that he had. You know, been sleeping on the couch for a while as they had given the boys' room to their cousin, uh, or the girl's cousin, I guess. Uh, so uh, the the mom's cousin, a a older an older uncle type who was staying with them, and then you really get that awful feeling in the pit of your stomach when you realize that the the older male cousin had been staying in the boys' room, and you start thinking back to the the holes or the hole I guess in the in the closet where the younger sister could be spied upon the investigation then goes to the school where they go and try to learn more about these these personal kids and how they were in class and get an idea of these boys in the Volkswagen these boys who were throwing the party up in the state park at Devil's the Devil's Peak or Devil's Nest one of the two throwing it at that park where we saw them drinking and riding on that bike and there they they interview the kids and the kids seem okay the kids seem okay uh, there are there's a little bit of lying going on as he says that as one of the kids said you know they weren't drinking and they know that they were drinking because there was alcohol at the place and of course they know better than to think that those guys weren't drinking but for the most part, nothing too suspicious with them. And Roland, there's a scene where Roland asks about a shirt one of them is wearing, a Black Sabbath shirt, and they really try to drive home the satanic, potential satanic tie-in there as this kid is wearing a 666 shirt with the Black Sabbath mask, and it's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a corny interaction. We'll see if this plays into 
to it at all and just how dark this case is supposed to get in terms of religion. Uh, but there's that exchange and Wayne meeting his, what I assume is his future wife, who is the teacher, the literary teacher, who's got a poem up on the board, who's, you know, he has a, a flirty conversation with afterwards as they as they exchange numbers for a potential, you know, any potential leads or anything that might come up in this case. They then go look at they, they then go look and investigate the trash man, the Indian trash man with the with the storage or I guess the wagon that he hauls around. He's not there. They go through his house. They see that he has some pictures from Vietnam, and this memory triggers 2015 Wayne, where he no longer wants to be interviewed for the rest of the day for this true criminal documentary. Something about this trash man has has triggered him. I don't know if you're supposed to take take away that he was the man who was what the 1990 cops think were wrong was wrongfully jailed. You know, right? Because 1990, the whole thing they're doing is trying to get this case reopened because the family thinks that uh, whoever was prosecuted for it was wrongfully prosecuted. I don't know if if that's what we're supposed to draw from the the revisiting, or I guess from revisiting this guy, triggering a, a bad memory for Wayne, but that's what happens. You then go back to, to 1980, a full-on man search, a manhunt as they search for these kids, and Wayne goes out on his own, and we learn a little bit more about his background, and they're really trying to drive home how good of a tracker he is and you kind of learn what he did when he was in Vietnam doing his two tours. What's your partner doing? He got his own thing. Well, how's that help us? Man was alert, but now, you know what that is? Long range reconnaissance. Drop him in the jungle alone, come out two or three weeks later with scalps. He's like a pathfinder. Tracks wild boar for fun. He want to look alone. I'm okay with it. So they're really driving home how good of a tracker he is, and he does. He comes through. He scores. He he finds a he finds a watchtower where there's been drinking. He continues walking, following a path, a trail. Finds a abandoned bike at the bottom next to a creek continues walking finds some creepy doll brides like some some man-made handmade dolls dressed in the shape of a bride not too unlike the devil's the devil's nest from season one right the the stick figures this is kind of a playback to that continues the trail eventually leads to a, a a dead boy which is the dead boy the parcel boy is dead. The brother is now dead. We know that. And the sister still hasn't been found. The sister is still alive. We do learn in 1990 at the end of this episode that the sister has turned up has turned up years later in a robbery of a pharmacy store. So we know that she's alive and that's why this is needing to be reopened in 1990. The show kind of ends with with this taking a toll 
obviously, on Wayne, who has found the boy and knows that, hey, time is now ticking. We have to find this daughter to the point where he goes back out in the dark and begins trailing as as his partner says, no, it's too dark. Come back in here. Basically trying to plea with him as he's like, no, I got to go do this. Walking through the woods. That's where episode one ends. Takeaways so far. Takeaways so far. Uh, this feels heavily inspired by season one. Again, I'm going to try not to compare it too much if I can help it, but so far it's just kind of smacked you in the face between the setting, the interactions with the cop, uh, Maharishala's uh, Ali's character, the hunting side of it, the stick figures, the dolls. Feels kind of, like I said, seems heavily inspired, almost to the point where I wouldn't be shocked if this somehow tied into the Yellow King, you know, back at the end of the day, because keep in mind that was in 1995 on up through 2012. And here we are in that general same time frame, right? And Louisiana isn't far away from Arkansas at all. We have another kid going missing. So like I said, it, it seems heavily inspired by season one, which could either be a, a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It could be an uninspiring thing. We'll see. We'll see. But like I said, right now through one episode, wouldn't be shocked if this somehow tied in at the end. My second biggest takeaway is unlike season one, this is not a two-man show. This is 100% uh, Masharia Ali's vehicle. This is his. All due respect to Stephen Dwarf, who is trying his best to be Roland West. Through episode one, could not care less about Roland West. This is all about Ali and his portrayal of, of Wayne. That's where it feels like it's headed. That's where it feels like we're supposed to be focusing on. So that that's where it differs a little bit. You know, season two, you obviously cared about both McConaughey and Harrelson. Season two, you cared about... You know, four people, or you're supposed to care about four people. And this one seems to be a one-man show, and Ali, who is at the peak of his career, is going to have to carry this show. And he's going to do it in three time zones. So far, he's off. So far, he's definitely the strong point of the show. His potential love interest and, and his relationship, I, I want to see how that progresses. But episode one comes to an end. Episode one of Let's Talk TV True Detective Season 3, Episode 1, comes to an end. I will put up a link for some discussion on the Patreon, patreon.com, slash Reads Ranch if you want to talk about it. I'll try to get up Episode 2 either tomorrow or in a couple of days so that we can dissect it. Appreciate everyone for listening. Hope to start some dialogue on this. I don't know how I feel about this show so far, uh, but we're going to watch it together.